Welcome to the Sharon Fitzmaurice podcast. And my guest today is Neve Brown. Neve started off her career as a graphic designer after she went to Limerick School of Art and Design. She was the creative director of her own branding and design company, Designers Inc., for over 20 years. And she's now the creator of MoMe.ie and also works as brand and design manager for University of Limerick. And most importantly, she's the mom of Luke and Faye. So Neve, you are very welcome and thank you for joining me on my podcast. Thank you. It's lovely intro. I think that's, it's lovely the way you said that at the end, most importantly, because that is, it is my most important job. And thank you. You're very welcome. And I think people forget that, you know, we were just saying we were having a little chat before we started. And, you know, we said we hate titles and labels and how we have to put ourselves out into the world. And it is an important part of our professional side but our professional side is that part of us but the personal side of us you know lends a lot to our own professions but that our lives our family lives is the priority really in every you know working mother's life really isn't it Neve? It is and that's what keeps you going isn't it when you say why am I doing what I do it's you're doing it ultimately for your children yes absolutely and the most important thing and it keeps you grounded as well I always say my kids keep me well grounded they never let me you know get up here in my head at all because they'll bring you soon to ground and say I need a lift here or I need a few bob or whatever it is (laughs) yes so Neve, you're a lady of many many talents and um, the first time that I became aware of you or knew of you it was in just before I think 2018 and yourself and two other ladies were running a series of self-care conversations together our stories in Limerick and you kindly invited me to be a guest speaker um, at one of your events it was renew your soul I think it was the topic of it for me or for you and I remember thinking that was the first time that I drove to Limerick Neve because I was a very nervous driver and my friend used to laugh at me because I'd have to have it all planned in my head how long it would take to give myself all of this time, you know, because I had huge anxiety years ago. So when I was asked, I always say that now if somebody asks me to do something, I say yes immediately and then I worry about the details later. So it was such an honour to be asked because you were amazing ladies and to hear all your stories and to share in that environment with other ladies, you know, that wanted to come and hear our stories, your stories, and that you had set up this beautiful space, you know, to bring everyone together. And that's why I felt so connected, you know, meeting you personally, you're not just the picture or the face on Instagram, it's real people, you know, that are behind these stories and that we also have our own struggles and challenges throughout our own lives and that you're still willing to give to others. And that's why I really resonated with you at the time. So thank you for that and for creating that space. So I want to go back. I always say I'll go back before we come to the present day. So Neve, when you were 10 years old, you were diagnosed with scoliosis. And this was a curvature of the spine. You're going to tell people a little bit more about it and how this affected you from on from that point on growing up yeah it's it's funny actually thank you Sharon and, and just likewise just going back first of all to the together um our stories um with Sinead and Sharon um at the time it was lovely it was so lovely to connect with you and we loved having you there you were just and that's why I'm so glad that we've continued to connect that's one of the really positives isn't it about Instagram and social media when for that aspect but um, yeah, it's funny actually because my scoliosis, I remember so well, my first, my two first cousins on my dad's side of the family actually had scoliosis also. So it's obviously it's hereditary yes. and it's more common in girls than it is in boys. Now, this, you know, it was in the media a lot there a couple of years ago because of the backlog of operations. And, uh, you know, there was lovely girl actually from Limerick on the Late Late Show which you know so people were more familiar now with scoliosis but when when I was diagnosed and my two first cousins um you know very few people knew what it was um my mom actually was the one who noticed it in my cousin first of all who was the first of the three girls to to get it 
and um, she thought she was used to horse ride at the time. She thought she'd fall off a horse. She was tying my sister's shoelace. And I can remember it so well. And um, so then when she had, she had the operation and then my second cousin to get it, um, we, you know, they were aware, we were wearing the family. So then when I was trying on a school shirt, going back to school in September, I was 10 and my mom started to feel my back because it protrudes the rib cage on one side. Well, there's different types of scoliosis, but mine was a C curve. And my mom started to feel my back. And I remember saying, mom, stop, you know, you're, you're just, I thought my mom was being paranoid because of my two first cousins. And um, she said, no, no. And she was, my mom's fabulous. Like you have to meet her to know, to know that yeah. the type of person she is. She's very gentle. And she, I remember saying, no, you know, we, it's just, we just need to get it checked. And uh, it's funny, isn't it? How I know now telling the story, even how your gut always yeah. is right. I remember thinking, I, I knew she was right. I knew. I had it, I just knew from her response to it. And uh, my GP said, yeah, we're gonna have to send you to have um, to have more tests done. And we went to Croom at the time um, to, to have it looked at. And um, I was told that I had a rapid curvature and they wanted to put me on traction on the bed, on like a, a bed with traction and in a brace because mm. I was only 10. So my two other cousins, they were they were in their teens, and it usually develops during during puberty. And because I hadn't grown a lot, they wanted to see if they could stop the just prevent me from having an operation because the operation would stunt my growth. Um, but my mom was very she's a very strong woman. My mom, my actually my grandmother's anniversary is today. My grandmother was only in her forties when she passed away. Oh, I'm my sorry. The eldest of seven children. Um, my grandmother, yeah, it's 1974, she passed away. And um, my my mom is fabulous. Like, you know, having the seven of them in the family, my mom being the eldest, she's a very strong woman and gets things done. And she felt at the time there had to be somebody else that could help me that she just felt, it wasn't that she didn't she didn't respect the surgeon in, in Croom. It's just, she felt that there had to be another way than me lying on a bed for six months on traction. Yeah. And, she did her homework and did her research at the time, I suppose, before we had all the internet that we have now, you know, and discovered that there was a surgeon in Dublin who had just come back from the States that was specializing in scoliosis. Yeah. Um, and um, she, uh, Frank Dowling was his name and he worked in Crumlin, from Crumlin. And she got an appointment for me to see him. And we went up and, he monitored me over a couple of months and it was just, it was decided they did lots of I was a bit of a guinea pig at the time because I had to wear this machine for a while called a scolitron mm. that was um to try and pull the muscles back I had to wear that for six months and they thought it would stop me from again he was trying to prevent me from having surgery mm. but he knew that he he didn't want me to be on traction he was he was he was further down the road in his field and um, when they tried that, it wasn't a success. They did an operation um, to put the rods on with wires instead of spinal fusion. When the, when the spine is fused, you stop growing, mm. um, but it prevents it from curving. So the first operation I had was, again, it was an experiment. Unfortunately, it wasn't a success. The spine was too, the curvature was too strong. So it was, it, it, it was still curving. Yeah. So the following year, then they decided to bring me back in for a second operation that was spine fusion. Um, so my the rods were fused to my spine, and um, I I just remember I think it's I think it's harder on the parents yes. when they see. I remember my mom saying to me at the time, and I suppose I'm grateful to her now because I think it built my resilience. I remember always saying like you know that she witnessed there was always children a lot worse off than me in Crumlin, and there were. Mm. And I think that helped her deal with seeing me go through that as well. Um, and, you know, it was an eight hour long operation. Um, it was high risk because you're dealing with the spine, but I didn't know any of that as a child. No. You don't know these things, you just get on with it. And I remember just going back to school and not wanting to be any different than anybody else. No. I wanted to, I loved gymnastics. I had to give that up. I mean, it wasn't that I was, I don't think I was ever any that good at it, but I loved it. I, I wanted to be a gymnast in my head. I just, you know, loved watching the Olympics. Yeah. And and I remember going back to school and just wanting to get on with life. Mm. And I started working when I was 
well, I, I, I worked younger, actually. My, my aunt, I started working here when I was 16 and I could actually work. But um, when I was like only 14, I used to, I went to America. My aunt had, um, my aunt's husband was married to a family who owned a water park. Mm. believe it or not and wow my aunt is the youngest of my mom's sisters I'm, I'm very close to her it was only 10 years between us so she didn't have children at the time and I went over to over to the states to her for supposedly two weeks and ended up staying for the summer and had a little they I used to help out putting on the wristbands you know you went into a water park it was just you know it wasn't yeah I've just been I was just helping out but that was the first time I think I saw that I liked dealing with people and yeah I, I I didn't want to be any different with my back I didn't want people knowing I remember I used to hide my scoliosis a lot I mean I have a scar the length of my spine and I do have if I'm in a swimsuit you'd notice my curve mm. but I I learned to I suppose hide it mm-hmm. and in a way then I remember years later seeing um as a princess Eugenie mm. who, publicly and I went wow I, I thought like how empowering is that that she did that uh, you know and showed her scar with pride mm. and and even a friend of mine um in my 20s I remember she said to me I didn't know you had that in your back and she said you should be proud of that scar you earned it yes yes and oh, she's I, absolutely right yeah, you know because yeah. Neve, I remember that post and I remember you sharing it about Princess Eugenie you know showing her scar and you thought she was a brilliant ambassador for all yeah. young women and women of all ages to show their scars and I think that's this it goes for everything in life isn't it to show what you've come through you know what, what, as you said you built such resilience as a child you know by coming through that and I love the fact that you said you know you you're thinking of your mom you know and how your mom had to watch you as a child going through that surgery and how it was harder for her because as you said children get on with it and they don't not sure what's going on they don't realize all the dangers even if we told them but as a child did you you know I know you said you didn't want to feel different but were you ever angry or were you angry at anybody because you had scoliosis no isn't it funny and isn't it isn't it funny, Sharon, how we're led to things? I mean, I was led to, and, and it was further down the story, but I, I was led to mindfulness because of my tinnitus. Yeah. Yeah. But what I've learned, and what I learned is when you sit with yourself, as you know, in yeah. meditation, and you, you realize things is, I suppose for me, my back was literally, my back it was behind yeah. me. Behind it, you. I, I didn't, um, I couldn't, you know, it, yeah, it was there. I, I, I never, ever, ever remember getting angry about it isn't it funny ever yeah I just um I think it was that uh, you know which I have adopted from my mom that attitude is that there's always somebody worse than you and it, it's not I know now in in mindfulness practice and meditation is that not it's not to not honor how we're feeling mm-hmm. so but I didn't really ever you know I suppose deal with I, I suppose I went into and now I know later on in life I worked really hard yeah and that was part of i think not allowing myself to just it, that it was okay to rest it was okay to, it was that kind of getting on with things yeah. i just got on with it yeah. and i think that's what i only discovered later on in life through the mindfulness yeah i think you have um i've never met your mother i've seen pictures of your mom on instagram and a beautiful lady like you um and i could see your connection even through photographs you know and the energy and the words that you speak about her even now that she has been a great influence in your life and a great support for you and i think even as a child she probably took some of that fear away by being so supportive and being around you and saying we'll get on with it you know and we'll be all right and you've kind of taken that attitude and again, even with your mom, you know, losing her mom so young, she had to be so resilient as well. So you've learned that as we learn behaviours through life, isn't it, from those that are our caregivers or our influencers around us, whether it be teachers or friends or aunts. So you've really learned such strength from your mother, Neve, that it's shining through you. And I always say that you take those gifts, you know, and... I, I actually feel like if your mother was here, I'd feel like I'd connect to her straight away, like you, you know, that kind of way. 
Thank you. Yeah, so it's a beautiful gift. And I know that you're going to pass that on to your own children as well, because you can see it. It kind of exudes from your energy all the time, even when you're on Instagram and when I met you in person. Um, so you had these titanium rods fused in your spine. Did they physically affect you? Did you have to do any kind of rehabilitation? You know, was, is it an ongoing process? Is, you know, because I know there's people diagnosed with scoliosis every day of the week now, Neve, isn't there? Young and old. Yeah. And they're probably so afraid or people are, parents are afraid if their children have slight scoliosis, how it may affect them down the road. And for you, you said you were never really angry about it, but was there physical things that you had to do to look after yourself? Yeah, um, I there was. I, I mean, there's things like, you know, I was told not to lift anything heavy. Um, I can't, you know, my back, I can't rotate it. Now, I know really in the last few years since I started practicing yoga, yeah. um, I, I've, I, I know I can't, like my back hasn't the, the capacity to move like everybody mm -hmm. else's. I mean, if you... If you can imagine, I suppose, like the, the, the length of the spine, it's, you know, you think of how the spine moves and it's literally fused together. I mean, there's pins and it's, it's mad, like the, all the pins and, and bolts and everything in my back. But um, I think it, it, it affected me the most when I was involved in a car accident, um, which I believe was kind of the start of the tinnitus, even though it happened three years prior. And there's no connection. I believe myself it was the aftermath of that um that i i was um a car came across the other side of the road and i was the passenger in the seat and it was uh, an airbag hit me in the face and as my doctor said to me at the time as everybody else's back would be able to kind of like move like have that flexibility to move but because mine is rigid i got it all in the shoulders and the neck area and that was the i suppose that was when i really I suppose it was the first time my back really started it concerned me. I was in a lot of pain, um, physical pain, all you know, all my neck and my shoulders. But I, throughout my life, I suppose I just when I was and I remember being in college actually, um, and God in the Limerick Art College. If they heard me, they kill me for saying this. They used to work <laughs> so hard. They used to we'd be doing like like we'd have projects to do like for the next day, and we'd be like pulling all nighters. Like when you think of it, my mm. God, it was so. <laughs> and I look back, I'm like, you know, we used to work so hard, um, and it was competitive. The art college in Limerick, it was just known. I mean, it's fabulous. I mean, that's why they have you know the awards, award winning students. But when I look back, how how hard I used to work, and I remember being in such pain coming up to my degree show. And my, I went to a GP who was the college GP at the time. And he, I remember him giving me cortisone injections for my back pain. When I think of it, like it was, and now, thankfully, you know, I, 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 I can manage it a lot better in my, my pain. I know that, again, it's simple techniques with mindfulness. Like yes. I think I, I, I laugh all the time because now I, and I can laugh at these things with, with um, how I used to sit at my desk at work. I was so unkind to somebody who had scoliosis or yeah. two rods in their back. I mean, I wouldn't, I, I would reach, I would lean forward into my computer a lot because I just hadn't that awareness mm. of my posture and, my, and like how, uh, you know, I would sit at my desk or allowing myself to stretch throughout a busy day, like little things yeah. like that. That, um, and, and again, I suppose there was a lot of, there was a lot of disconnection from me from my back which was is probably that suppressing yes you know and that's why i think i did operate a lot from the the head up i mean yes. the designer as well busy mind uh, I, that whole mind body connection wasn't there yes yeah amazing isn't it neat yeah. when you talk about it and even looking back on it and thinking about college now hard you work but the abuse basically you put your body through you know again not having the awareness but i think that comes in time for a lot of people and yeah. i know we're trying to give younger people that awareness now through mindfulness and meditation techniques you know and i would be all about body awareness but sometimes kids and young teenagers are not interested in sitting still, you know, they want to go out and live their lives. I think they've been forced into it in the last year because of the pandemic and of lockdown. Yeah. And they're nearly um, resisting it because they want to be, you know, doing something else. But for us, it has given us, I suppose, more time to be still, you know, and that's one of the blessings. I always say I find a blessing out of everything, Neve. <laughs> 
you're right. I mean, it's and isn't it so true that there it is, isn't it? It's always like you know, I, I read that before. It's like instead of saying why is this happening to me, is what what is this teaching me? Isn't it so true? Yes. I mean, you, we can learn something out of everything, and I I do believe that that it was my you know it was my scoliosis as a child. It was those operations that gave me the resilience to yeah. deal with all the other things. You know. Yes. That, life yeah and I think that's a really important point I always kind of ask my guests or anywhere wherever I am you know of the hardest things that you came through in your life you think that was the hardest thing and then you realize that wasn't hard at all here I am now faced with something else and then you get over that or get through it and then another thing comes so we're the whole time building on our resilience and building on that strength that we sometimes don't believe we actually have And I know when we're in the middle of it, you know, as adults, sometimes it can be quite hard. But then if you look back and you kind of go, God, how did I get through those six weeks or six months? And here I am still surviving. I'm actually thriving. I'm doing well. I'm learning to stand on my own two feet. I'm, you know, learning to accept this is what it is right now. And I think you've got that. And again, I say it's a huge amount from your mom. You know, I know I keep mentioning her, but I feel her energy so strong, just flowing out of you and your words. You know, you can almost hear some of the things she's taught you in life. And so you, after all of these surgeries, and you mentioned the car crash, you know, and that life was moving too fast for you. And did you say that you had tinnitus before the car crash or afterwards? It was after. Afterwards. Yeah, it was actually, there was a three-year gap. I think I went back, you know, I took some time after the car crashes. I, I like, I always, you know, I did go back to work probably sooner than I should have, Um, you know, have my own business. The same thing with my, when I had both my children, I had to, because of the rods in my back, I can't, I couldn't have a natural birth and I couldn't have, um, I, I couldn't have an epidural either. So I had to actually have an operate, like I had to, be put to sleep which is high risk yeah when you're delivering a baby and um, you know that they, they can only put you under for so long because of, you know the, of the effect of the anesthetic um on the child so um but even at those times I didn't because I was I had a fear that now I know you know again which mindfulness and meditation and life shows you I think as you get older is that you know I I was I was afraid of losing clients I was afraid of you know that it would you know my my clients would get upset if I wasn't there I knew they wanted to deal with me and you know and now I took you know I did take you know probably four months off but it wasn't enough for my I mean when you've made your surgery like that it's not enough and a baby doesn't baby. even with the surgery I think you know again people rushing this four months it's not enough sometimes with your children no, it's not and you know what I really wanted to I mean becoming a mom I mean I, I laugh sometimes you know that I, I started up my, I wasn't, friends would often say to me, oh, you, but you're such a businesswoman. I would go, but I'm not, I'm my innate self. And I know that things have happened for me with business, like Momi, like even my, my design business. I, I started my design business because I was working in Limerick for um, an advertising agency. And I, I really didn't want to stay in advertising. I wanted to do more branding. And there really wasn't any other agencies to, in Limerick to get a job in. Mm. So I just started doing a bit of freelance work. Yeah. And that led to a business kind of growing wow. organically. Mm. And then the, the same thing with Momi. It was never, I never set it out to be a business. So I laugh when, because I know that I love more than anything else. When I became a mom, I really just love being with my children and it was never a case that I was very driven and wanted to get back to work it was more a case that I felt I had a responsibility to my clients and a responsibility to be with my children and I do remember feeling very torn with yeah. trying to I suppose which one of my mommy card says is you can't make everyone happy you're not a jar of Nutella but I mean no. I did and it took me years in life to know that you just cannot make everyone happy. No. And I think it's finding a balance in that need which a lot of working moms will you know all talk about and I remember years ago I actually gave up the whole corporate world you know after my second child was born and I decided I would stay at home for a while with them and I thought this I might only get this opportunity once you know and that was a choice I made we weren't financially you know up here but we were able we were comfortable we struggled the odd time as well with mortgages and everything else but it was a huge learning experience But I remember thinking then one lady said to me, um, she said, oh, it's great for you. You're at home. 
you know, and I went, yeah, I am quite lucky that I can stay at home. It's not all, you know, roses and peaches every day with my kids. Some days I want to pull my hair out and go back to work for a break. But I said, overall, I'm delighted I can be home with them. And then I said, we all have a choice. But she said, not if I want to progress in my career. And it was one of the things that I thought, but women do feel like that a lot. If they take a break to have children and if they stay past their four months, that they'll be seen as not as um, dedicated or not as progressive in their career. And I think that has changed. I hope that has changed, you know. Yeah, I, I would hope it has. And I remember thinking that that after I had Faye, um, I, I said, I definitely, and I knew I, when I went back, I said, I, I don't want to work full time. I can't. I just don't like, and I knew, and I did, like, I remember I felt I had gone back to deal, you know, and to, you know, go back to my clients and whatever. But I said to them, you know, I'm going to take that little bit of time off. So I, I tried to either do three to four days a week, depending. And I remember, you know, I used to take Faye with me to do her shopping on a Friday and do our little, it was kind of, you know, our day. But I, I never regret doing that. And yeah. because, you know, even, I, I needed to, and I felt as soon as I went back, I felt like my heart had been ripped out leaving her. I really did. And I never really expected to feel like that. You know, I yeah. see, you know, hear some of my friends would say, you know, yeah, they're going back up to the maternity leave and they did it with ease. Mm. I didn't. I really struggled going back to work. Wow. And yeah, wow. yeah. Isn't it amazing when you look back and you remember, you know, how you felt? Because we get on with it then again, don't we? And our kids get a bit older. Yeah. And we yeah. do get on with it. But I suppose it's nice, as you said, to honour those as well, is to remember that time that it was hard, you know, yeah. as a young mother and going back and you couldn't please everyone, but it's finding a balance in it. So when we come to, um, you know, your tinnitus and this is a ringing in the ears, but you also discovered you had deafness then in one of your ears. Well, that must have been another shock for you, Neve. Yeah, yeah, I remember so well. This is a Saturday morning, September um, 26, 20, sorry, 14. Because I did my, yeah, trying to think what year it was there. This because I did the mindfulness in the 2015. Um, and um, I just woke up and my ear was ringing so loud. It just felt like I'd been at a concert, um, you know, the night before. And you're just that, that ringing sound. It's, as I'm saying it now, it's like it gets louder. Yes. Um, but um, it's, and I didn't, I remember my son calling me and um, I didn't know where he was and I, I felt very disorientated. So it felt very strange. And I found out, I went to Shannon Doc because it was a Saturday and found out that I had, um, he said it was tinnitus, but he said it was vertigo as well. Mm. And I'd only heard of vertigo. I'd never ever had it before. Um, and he said, oh, take these tablets, go home, you'll be grand, six weeks should go. So six weeks, the vertigo did go, um, but the ringing didn't. No, it continued on and still yeah. is. But this is, where is. You, <laughs> this is where you discovered mindfulness. Yes. And yeah. which helped, you know, a huge part in your life. And it's developed for you in your Momi cards and also in classes you're running. So when you found that, was it like this little miracle had stepped up in front of you and said, this will help you, you know, because if anybody out there, because I know my sister had really struggled with tinnitus, vertigo, it was just physically sometimes debilitating, you know, and she was quite angry at the time because there was nothing that she tried everything and it was like, what can help? To, she wanted to get rid of it. But again, I think, again, it's finding a place to find peace within it or acceptance, Neve, you know, whatever words you want to use for it. 100%. It's mad because, you know, when you, when you asked me earlier on, did I anger my scoliosis and, and I didn't like, but that's what struck me about the tinnitus, how I, I, the emotions I felt with it. Um, I remember going to see a consultant in Limerick and he said, do this physio. He thought there was a connection with the car crashes previously and my neck. So I had remember feeling I had this um, hope that it was if I did all this, it would go and it didn't. And I was, you know, going to physio after physio and it just wasn't working, dry needling, all those things. And it just wasn't, it didn't relieve it. And you'd have this little glimmer of hope then is, oh, is it gone? And then, mm. oh, no, it's not. 
Um, and, you know, because of the uh, hearing test done then to know why it's so loud and it is because of the deafness. So it's actually in our, tinnitus is in the head, but I hear it like it's in my ear, it's coming from my ear. Um, so um, then I remember um, I was told after going to three different consultants, the third consultant I went to was, was a guy in Cork and he said to me, uh, you're going to have to live with this. And all my, I remember having so much hope on this guy. He was a new guy. He was mm. supposed to be really, you know, clued in and he was going to have the solution. <laughs> he was going to have the answer. And when he said he didn't, I remember looking at him in disbelief mm. and I burst into tears because he said, you have to live with it. And I remember then being eaten up with guilt because I burst into tears because I thought, knee of cop on, you don't have like an illness that's mm. life threatening. And I remember afterwards that, that which I, I learned in my class, that it was okay to feel like that. Yeah. It was okay to be told that, mm. you know, you have this thing and you're going to have to live with it and it's probably yeah. never going to go away. But I remember just feeling really, really guilty. And afterwards I had met um, a friend of my aunt's who I spent that time with in the States, uh, Donna Curtin, um, who is, um, uh, she's a psychotherapist who also teaches mindfulness. And she, uh, I had met her funnily enough um, a couple of months before. And she told me just chatting away to her one day, mm -hmm. how are you doing? How's your aunt? Blah, blah, blah. What are you doing? I'm doing this course in mindfulness and going to be, and I said, God, that sounds really interesting. I think mm -hmm. I'd love to do that. Yes. So she emailed me, this is so funny, she emailed me when I was going to see all these consultants and asked me, said, I'm enrolling for this MBSR program, are you interested? And I remember emailing her back and said, I'd love to do it, but I cannot afford to invest in it at the moment because I was spending so much money going to see consultants about my... I know, looking for the hope. <laughs> looking for the hope. <laughs> And um, so when this last consultant said to me, you need to get some support from Deaf Here in Limerick, went to Deaf Here, to cut a very long story short, Kathleen Daffy is the lady who supports tinnitus there. And she said to me, have you explored mindfulness? Mm -hmm. And I said, no, but I know the lady who I need to contact. Wow. And I remember thinking, this is my, own, like, I have to give this my all. This is all I have really. I, yeah. If they're telling me to do this, I need to do it. So I enrolled in the MBSR program and that was the start of my mindfulness journey. Wow. I remember, I remember with the meditation at the start, you know, with the home exercises you get to mm. do when you're doing the program. And I remember finding it very hard to meditate and, and to sit. And I remember saying to Donna, I just can't sit. The ringing is too loud. My ears too loud. And she said to me, well, what if you just acknowledged that it's there and mm. put the welcome mat out to it. And that was the turning point really, because wow. I realized that it wasn't just the tinnitus that wasn't allowing me to sit, it was me. Yeah, I think that is probably the most amazing discovery, Neve. you know, that most people make when they start practicing mindfulness or meditation. And even just even, you know, the last week with clients and people online and they say, I can't meditate and it's too hard to sit and there's too much going on. And I'm going, exactly. That's exactly when you should sit with it. But yeah. I always say, you know, and like your friend Donna said, you know, to welcome it in. Some people don't want to welcome it because then, you know, it's really accepting it's there. And as you said, if there's anger there, they don't want to, you know. So I said, we accept all emotions. But I said, if you just sit with it. Just sit with it beside it. Take the power away that it is overwhelming you. Just sit beside it. That's all you need to do. You don't need to welcome it or accept it right now, but just sit beside it. And some of them have visions of them kicking, you know, whatever is going on with them or the emotion. And I said, all of that is okay. Because I said, it's nice to have fun with it because we get so serious, don't we, in everything that we're labeled with, you know, and what's going on for us in life. Instead of kind of saying, I always say, I have to have a laugh within myself now, you know, no matter what's going on, I always have a giggle at myself going, oh, you're so worked up about this, you know, <laughs> and it's nearly like I'm in a boxing ring, you know, boxing myself. And I'm going, why would anybody do that? Because that's what you're doing with that se negative self-talk. You know, you're harming yourself emotionally, mentally and physically by not allowing this to just flow you know, so I always say make it a little bit of fun. So I do that a lot with teenagers as well, you know, because it's very hard to process when there's lots of other things going on, isn't there, Neve? Exactly. Yeah, it's that's so true. Like, and you know, it is and 
it's just, it's all like, as you just said there, it's exceptional and just knowing that if you sit with this and, and acknowledge, it's, yes. it's just acknowledging how you yes. feel and understanding that this is here, but I cannot do anything about it, but I can control how I learn to respond to it. It's like, I think that's been the biggest tool I, I've learned to think it, and it goes, it goes beyond my tinnitus. It's how everything like challenges and the things that we face in life. And, you know, knowing that you can only, you can't control other people. You can't un control, you know, the weather. <laughs> you can't control the way somebody, what somebody does to you or whatever. You, you can only control how you respond to that. And that was, and, and it's funny because about last year, it was, yeah, it was just before lockdown. Um, Def here invited me to talk to a group um, in Dublin of, other people who were suffering with tinnitus and I remember so many of the questions afterwards were like that were like me back when I started it was like but I can't it's there it's a you know and I it's so loud and it just ruins my life and it ruins and it and, it, and you know those people were feeling that yeah. they were feeling that they could you know and I get messages all the time from people who have just been diagnosed with tinnitus and like you know they feel it's taken over their lives and how mentally drained it is and it is all those things and I understand that and I you know when you say to somebody who has never who hasn't explored mindfulness or meditation that this could help them yes I know they feel very much like you know and I did I did as well I remember thinking well I'll give this a go and I think there was a draw for me with the mindfulness yes. after the conversation with Donna as well so I think it was easier for me to sign up Yes. Whereas I don't know if I would have signed up that easy if I had been told that day in Jeff here, yeah. uh, you know, this mindfulness might help. I think it was having the conversation with Donna and the little, there was something drawing me to it yeah. already. So that did make it easier for me. Yeah. But I know that I have, there's lots of, uh, thankfully, lots of people who, who's, who followed Momi, who I've connected with. There was one lovely lady in Ohio who reached out to me in the States. Her husband had um, been diagnosed with tinnitus and was finding it really hard. And he went on to do the MBSR program um, last year in the States. And he's doing really well now. I've kept in touch with his wife. And oh. yeah, it's nice to know that it, it, can, it can help so much. Absolutely, you can. And I think, again, by sharing your story, Neve, as you're doing, you know, so much out there in Instagram and even going to being speaker for deaf here, Limerick, that you are sharing that, you know, OK, it's OK to have all of these feelings. That is normal. But there is another way as well. You know, you can sit there and you acknowledge it, you know, and you will find that peace or acceptance within your life. Yes, it's very hard at the start and we all know that. But I think when you have lived through the experience, you're a great ambassador, you know, for people to show what you can still accomplish in your life. And that, again, that mightn't be the last struggle you'll have to deal with. But another one, as I said, it will always come along and think, ha ha, you think you got over it? Here you are again. And I just say we get through one thing at a time. It's not everything together for you. You had to go through your scoliosis. You had to go through the surgeries, you had to go through your car crash, tinnitus, you know, deafness, you know, learning, you know, how to be mindful. You had to learn all of those things were steps and processes for you, you know, that you took when you were ready, you know, and when you could accomplish them. But from the mindfulness, you went on and you've mentioned it several times, you know, and it is Momi cards, the Momi flashcards for adults. And they're absolutely amazing. And I have a few of them in my therapy room. And I know that I ordered a load off you last Christmas and I sent them to friends because I just think they're lovely. And it's a lovely thing to be able to take out and have this inspirational, you know, feel good, you know, quote to look at every day. And I have another one on my fridge about gratitude, you know, and I stick them up around the place so that we all in our family get a glimpse of them. Because I always say it's like that subliminal messaging, you know, that's in advertising. Yeah. But if you have those subliminal messages that are positive and gratitude around you, they also go into your mind without you even realizing it. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you, Sharon. And it's funny because I didn't design the mommy cards for anyone but myself at the start. And I wanted, as you said there, I when I did when I finished the MBSR. I thought, how am I going to stay on track? How am I going to remember every day to check in with myself? Mm -hmm. How am I going to make sure I don't go back down, you know, old patterns of 
you know, not sitting at my desk, not taking a moment to literally ask myself, am I okay? Yeah. Um, and all those little, uh, you know, if, if, if we get into a spiral of overwhelm at work and our head starts to go off and, and, and into the into future thinking that I wasn't, that I was going to be able to pull myself back and use the tools I had heard or had learned on, on the course. So we just had a little glitch there, Neve, but um, in your beautiful design and creation of the Momi flashcards and just for yourself, but when did you feel or when were you drawn to share them with others and maybe to create a business out of it? Well, what I did was because when you're getting something printed, I wanted them to be on card. And, you know, so I, had, I did a small run and I said I'd give them to my friends as well because I was having conversations with my friends at the time about I was so you know I was excited about all I'd learned on the mindfulness course you know what it's like it's yeah. like oh my god that's like you know that's so simple how did I not know that how did I not know that I'm it's okay to sit down and just mm. do nothing and how did I know that you know my breath is so important and how did I not know all these things like and I was so excited so I used to go walking with a friend of mine and she um she said to me one night I, I have that ringing in my ear as well a little bit and I was like no way and I was like my god and so when that was another little catalyst to me wanting to do the cards because I was like you know I wanted to she said to me you know will you write down those things for me you know that you've learned on your course and the quotes that you've often said to me about you know, you know, make sure you take a moment for yourself. And and I said to her, well, it's funny, I said, because I wanted to do them for myself anyways, little cards. And this was all around the same time. And I said to her, look, I'm going to get a small little run done. I'm going to give them to the girls and I'm going to give you some. And so I did. And she rang me one day and said to me, a few of the girls that, that worked with her asked about them. Wow. So that's what, exactly what happened. And I did a larger run of them then and said I would start to just you know, do my own little website and see what happened. And I think the reason that I was drawn to it so much was that it was the first time in my life that I had designed something that wasn't for a tutor. It wasn't for a result. It wasn't for a client or to meet a deadline. It was just for me. Wow. I felt they were something that I had done just for myself. It wasn't, you know, for to prove anything to anybody or to or to make it a success. It wasn't, it was never that way. It was just, I'll see what happens with these. And that's wow. literally what, what happened with them. And I remember getting a call then from somebody who'd seen them on TV3 and I got a call to go on about boost your business. I went on that and that's kind of how it, how they escalated. Then, you know, I, I remember a few people then mentioned them and it just yeah, kind of happened. <laughs> Or and now you see them everywhere, you know, I, it's so funny. I was on Facebook the other night and a girl that um, she joined one of my groups, I think during the lockdown, I'd set up a wellbeing support group and she joined it. And she's from Wicklow, but I don't know her, obviously, personally, just through the group. And then one day she had a post up with one of your Mo Me cards, you know, and I smiled and I said, there's the connections. You know, yeah. I know you and I know this girl from my group. But yeah. we don't, they don't, you don't know her and she doesn't know you, but still you've connected in her life. And that was a connection then for me also. So I always say those positive connections flow and flow and flow. And it's like that once you notice something that's positive, you'll start to see it everywhere, you know, yeah. and that's why the way I see your cards, they're just out there. It's like they're out in the universe floating around and people just have to pick them up and hold on to them for a few minutes. And they're sharing them with their friends and family, which is beautiful, Neve. And I think why they're so successful is you created them for yourself. Mm -hmm. As you said, you created for the, a tool for yourself as a reminder to check in with yourself and in sharing that. And I think that's what we all do. I think if we do something for ourselves and it works for us, then we share the benefits of it with everybody else. And it's always going to be success. And it might be in financial terms, but it's in terms of people getting something from it that they never realized was out there before. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And thank you for that, Sharon. It's lovely to hear that. And, and I think that, you know, they were never, and I mean, you can see it from, I suppose, you know, you've ordered them and from what what I put into them, I, I feel that, you know, writing a note with them to me is so important. 
um, because again, it's about gratitude. It's about, you know, that appreciation. Yeah. And I feel that every time somebody orders a pack for a friend, I mean, I, I just love when I read messages from that people often send them to other people directly. And some of the messages I write, I mean, they have actually brought me to tears sometimes. I mean, in, in a good way. Yeah. In that I would feel so emotional, right? Like, you know, reading some of them. Um, and it's, you know, because it's such a personal thing that somebody would send them to somebody else and, you know, somebody who might be going through a difficult time in their life for, for what, what reason or another. And, um, you know, I think that that means means everything to me. And it, it's there's been many times I've kind of went, what am I doing? You know what I mean? I need to, you know, it's, it, you know, you kind of question yourself sometimes in life. And then I get a little message from somebody who will say, your card really helped me today. And I'll be like, oh, you know, and that gives you, doesn't, it's like, you know, and you, you probably relate to that, you know, sometimes when we're doing things and then somebody will show you a sign or give you a little, yes, that you've helped in some way. And you're like, and that'll, give you that little bit of energy to keep going and what you do and and yeah. what you love that's the universe giving you thanks back you know because I always say that you know sometimes we feel like you know you might be putting out stuff there and is it really helping anybody you know but for me I always say well there's somebody out there if it's only just one person you help them maybe get through that moment or that day and as you said, you do, sometimes it's not about seeing, you know, whether everyone is enjoying it or not, you know, but one person would message you. But I think when you get those messages back, it's the universe saying you've put out so much. Here is a little sign today because you needed it because you were giving it all the time. So don't forget yourself. It's the universe checking in with you to say hi. Yeah, that's so true, isn't it? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And so the Momi cards are going so strong and you have them in different sizes because I've got the bigger ones and the smaller ones, which I love as well. And at Christmas time, you have the lovely little bag and the stand and the star and all these lovely things and your handwritten note and even the way you package them, Neve, is just so beautifully, so attentive. And it's like a personal gift from a friend when you receive it. So thank you for that, because I think they're absolutely amazing. I love them. But you went on to create a gratitude journal also in the last year. It's beautiful. You, you, know, you know about gratitude practice more than anyone. You, and I, I, I love that about you as well, that you, you understand it and speak so beautifully about it and also have your journal. So I, I think that's, it's just something that, I think it's it's one of those things, isn't it? Again, it's like mindfulness and the meditation. I say this all the time, but they're intertwined, aren't they? Yeah. I didn't really understand gratitude practice until I started practicing mindfulness. And then it was the days that I would go on my bike for my tinnitus because I discovered that cycling the sound of the wind on my in, in my ear on the on the right hand side distracts from the sound of the tinnitus so when I'm on my bike it's the only time that I really don't hear the sound wow yeah um so and I remember thinking like you know because I was practicing mindfulness it was about being present it was about noticing what was around me it was noticing the smells and the sensations I was feeling on the bike and and then I realized that I was so grateful. So I could go on the bike some days, not feeling like I wanted to go on it, but I knew it would help my ear. Yeah. This yeah. morning I had that. I was like, I'm, I'm tired. And my son had no um, Zoom today. He had no school Zoom. So he, um, he, I was like, come on, come for a cycle. Oh. Like, no, I don't want to go for a cycle, mom. But I said, I, I, my ear was really loud. And I said, I'm just going to go for a quick spin and um, for a half an hour on my bike and came back. And I, I said to myself, I started to see all the things that I was grateful for. Yeah. Like not just this morning, but when I started, first of all. And I really realized as well that um, my life changed very drastically um personally a year and uh, almost two years ago and it was gratitude that really got me through that time it was wow. waking up every day and realizing that even thing, though things were difficult that there was always something to be grateful for it was just that little there's a little technique that I do that I started doing with mindfulness about four years ago that it was um, instead of reaching for my phone in the mornings that I would just automatically put my hand on my heart mm. and just 
connect with myself and think of three things I was grateful for. So then I, I was practicing at the time of with a journal as well, just writing those three things down. And I just wanted it to be very simple that I would just use my photographs that I love to take of my mommy cards through it um, and just keep it very, not like something again, I find that the, the whole practice again with gratitude and mindfulness meditation is that when we, we need to be disciplined, as you know, we, we need to have, you know, we need to want to do it. We need to yeah. do it. But I think that when we do it in a way that it's not pushing ourselves or forcing ourselves or striving for any results, yeah. that it does, that's when the beauty of the practice unfolds. And I feel that that's what happened with, with me with gratitude. And that's why my friend said it to me last year. She said, you really need to do a journal because it's what you'd be bringing your cards into the into book form and yes. there's a way of doing that and she said you know you, you you know that gratitude has helped you so much it just seems like it's a, it seemed like the natural extension to to the mommy cards i definitely think so and like that i love your practice you know of putting your hand on your heart every morning instead of reaching out to the world and looking for something to make you feel better because a lot of the time that doesn't because I always say everything outside of you you know is not always the answer it's something from within here and it's to find that no more than you you know with your scoliosis and your tinnitus and the car crash and you know with your own personal challenges in the last year or two it's to find something that strength first of all that resilience that you have to keep going to find that acceptance and then a sense of peace but the gratitude even in I always say that in the worst of days I will find one thing I will always find one thing and if I find one thing then I can find two or three and I end up finding lots of things then to be grateful for when I notice that one thing so for some people they will say that's quite hard but again you said it is a discipline it's a practice no more than meditation it doesn't just happen overnight. It is hard to sit still when you've been used to your mind and your life being busy. But the rewards are just amazing, Neve, as you have seen through everything that you've been through in your life, that if you stick with it, if you want to feel better within yourself, mentally, emotionally, physically and spiritually, you are going to be able to do that if you just giving yourself some time, love and attention, isn't it? Yeah, totally. And I, I remember reading uh, before uh, Professor Emmons, he, he's done loads of studies on gratitude, um, a psychologist in the, in the University of California, and he actually refers to it as the upward spiral. Instead of getting into a downward spiral when things happen, us that gratitude can actually, you know, change the shape yeah. of, your, of the neuroplasticity in your brain, yeah. like meditation does, to actually, the more you recognize the little things that to be grateful for the more you will find yeah. so even when things are really challenging and you feel and you know again as i've said many times and which you know as well sharon it's never about forcing yourself it's never about feeling guilty if you don't feel grateful it's none of those things it's about just realizing that the more you recognize that even when things are not good that you finding those little little nuggets it could be your hot cup of tea it could be yeah. the morning or the sun shining today that your your brain starts to see and and i read as well recently that um another study i came across actually which was really interesting that reminded me of it is that we do actually you know the, the negativity bias that we actually we grasp negative yes. a lot easier than we do the positive things in our life so i suppose when we train ourselves to see good that yes. we can find more good then our, our brain starts to like it it's like yeah. meditation isn't it it's like yeah. i often often say as well that um you know i i would have thought when i started meditation at first i did see it as a thing another thing i need to do i need to yeah. do this for my course i need to do i need to sit and then the more you start to do it, the more you see, oh, this is actually really nice. My yeah. brain likes it. It's yeah. really enjoying it. And, and my body appreciates yeah. it so much. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm going to do more of it. And then it's yeah. kind of your, your, it's kind of like your mind thanks you back, isn't it? Yes, it's a way of becoming um, just you, just being you in whatever is going on for your day. And I always say to people, come back to simplicity come back to the simple things in life and this most simplest thing and the most valuable thing in our life is our breath as you've mentioned it's our anchor into the moment into the body right here right now 
and people say that's too simple how could that work and I said well just sit and watch your breath and feel your breath moving in and out of your body just do that for five minutes a day nothing else just do that and see what happens and they ring you after a week and go holy mother of god (laughs) I had it all the time and I never knew it yeah isn't it mad it really yeah it is. And that's the joy, Neve. I see even on your face, you know, and when you're sharing it. And that's the joy I feel from it in such something that is so simple. But again, we are we look for things that are complicated to think they'll help us. But usually it's the things that are very simple that help us the most. Exactly. That is so true. I mean, even when I started outside in, in the University of Limerick um, last November, uh, just over a year ago, last November, 12 months. And it was just, it was before again, I did my journal and I would just go for a walk every day at my lunch just to, cause you know, I'm a designer and it's creative and you know, need that. It's so important that I know now to just take that step away. But it was just going for a walk. And I remember thinking like afterwards, this place, like I'm so grateful for, for this, like for, for just being able to do this on my lunch hour. Yeah. And those little, and it's, and I'd often say to the lads, then my colleagues out there, you know, for a beautiful and one or two of them said to me at the time I've actually never walked around here at lunchtime I'd be like what this beautiful beautiful green place we have we're right by the river look at all the swans look at all the and I get so excited about it and then but a few of them started saying to me yeah I've started walking at lunchtime because oh. and now I, I like I'd never go back and now of course and then COVID happened and we were all off campus but um, it's, you know, luckily I get to, it's, it's within my 5K, so I still get to cycle, so I still have that. That's brilliant. But um, yeah, um, but it's, it is, it's, it's such, as you said there with the breath, it's just, it's such a simple, but it is, it's a practice. Yes. And yeah. I think I, I heard another mindfulness teacher, her name now has gone out of my head, but she, she wrote a book um, about um, loving kindness meditation. She says, what you practice grows stronger absolutely what you give energy to and it really is it's about everything no matter what we give energy to it becomes bigger in our lives so again I say to people the more thought and energy you give to the negative talk or the negative actions they become bigger and bigger in your life and then that's when you become overwhelmed and then it's like you're fighting against this tidal wave you know instead of just going with the flow you know, because we're trying to control everything, Neve, aren't we? We're trying to make it the way we expect it to be. But then we're missing out on all the beauty either side of us, you know, by opening up and saying, whatever's going to happen, whatever opportunities are coming my way, I'm allowing them to be here. I'm allowing myself to be present for them. So yeah. that's the way, you know, I see it with you. I, and, you know, as I see your images on Instagram and everything, your beautiful photographs, and especially when you're cycling as well, and you always write about your experience, which is beautiful. And even that is a mindful practice. It's like you journaling online, you know, to say, well, this is what I saw, and this is what I appreciate, and this is what I'm grateful for today. And it stops people then in the tracks. And as they read your experience, they go, God, I wonder what's outside my window. You know, (laughs) maybe they'll go and look a little bit closer the next time. Oh, yeah, well, that's that's and and it's funny you say that again because it's I do find it it helps me it's like a diary and I do find that helpful um to just to share to write I realized that when I started practicing first and started up and, and started then afterwards to set up the Instagram page I found that I liked to take photographs, which I knew I liked to do anyway. I mean, I I, I do, um, but I didn't realize that I liked to write. Mm. And it was the journaling process as well that made me realize that it's just lovely to get th- those thoughts. words and those thoughts out onto your paper or be it, you know, our, yeah. our little posts. Yeah. It's a lovely way to to practice it's another yeah. way just... and that, and then when you do that you're showing your vulnerabilities and your gratitude and your appreciation so that's where people resonate you know with your truth and being real you know as I always say when you look at it and everyone says they've everything together and you should do this and you should do that I'm that straight away I got no thanks yeah. you know <laughs> I want to see the real person I want to see you know, as I said, our flaws and imperfections, because that's what makes us beautiful beings of light in this world, you know, that I'm showing you and you're showing me that, yeah, you see me, 
you know, and today I'm having a great day and tomorrow it mightn't be a good day and I might have the ringing in my ear. So I went for a cycle so that could help me. So again, you're showing people that you can take, you don't have to stay down there, that you can take a step, a very simple step or get on a bike, a little cycle. And that helps you, you know, and your mindfulness practice and your gratitude in particular helps you to appreciate it's okay. Everything is all right. It's going to be okay because we can't think about everything that's going to happen in the future. Because again, I always say 90% of what people worry about never actually happens at all. Isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's one of those things, isn't it? That yeah. mindfulness really teaches you, teaches you about is how much time you could waste on energy on thinking about things that may never, probably won't ever happen. Ever, and they usually yeah. don't, you know. Yeah, yeah. So again, I'm aware of time now, Neve. but you've recently started six-week mindful moment classes, you know, helping people to discover the beauty of mindfulness and meditation and help them with stress reduction and giving them tools and techniques to help them in their daily lives. And are these obviously not physical at the moment because we're in lockdown? Are you doing them online or anything, Neve, for people? Yeah, I am. I'm doing them on Zoom. I, I, I started them I, originally about two years ago, just very small groups of just six. And I, you know, do them here in my office. And um, then I was asked about doing them on Zoom and I wasn't sure. Again, you know, if you get that feeling from Zoom, but as you know now, and even here chatting to you now, I feel like yeah. I'm in the room. I'm right you. beside you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's amazing because we've got used to that, haven't we? Yes. That way of communicating, and um, you know, and I. So I started. I just ran them. I'm just on week five now of the last one, and and they were very much. I spoke to my Donna, who I've mentioned earlier on, my MBSR teacher at the time, because I said I wanted them to be a little dip your toe into yes. the MBSR that she teaches, which is the eight week MBSR. Um, just because a lot of people were messaging me asking me about MBSR, but they were still you could there was still a bit of fear as in you know, that commitment to eight weeks, yes. you know, of that length of time and that commitment to it. So this is a way that I suppose it gives them a chance to dip their toe into it and, and to use the mindful moments in their day-to-day -day lives just to let them see and I suppose experience, you know, how to start up practicing mindfulness yeah. or to start meditation, mm. you know, if they've never done meditation before. And sometimes people have, you know, or dabbled in it a little bit. And again, there's still that I suppose misunderstanding out there isn't there and you probably see it all the time mm. as well trying to meditation of you know you think that you know you have to close yourself in a dark room and stop your cross thoughts. your legs completely your yeah legs. levitate <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean and it's like it it's again as you said you, you made a really good point there a while ago it's we like to make things complicated we mm. just like you know it's and I've often said it in the classes it's just becoming aware of your breath just, and just becoming aware of your breath yeah. and every time your mind wanders we bring it back yeah. and it's just it's training the mind to do that but it's also you know realizing that we don't have to you know you know as i said lock ourselves into room yeah. days and yeah and, and i think it's giving yourself that space neve as well you know because life did become very busy and then through lockdown when people realized they couldn't go as many places and that was hard for people because they were always distracting themselves so without those distractions what did they have and suddenly they were left reflecting on their lives and the good parts and the not so good parts and they found that really difficult and that's what i found kind of when I was working with people through the last year is they didn't have that chance to ever really sit with themselves and this was the hardest thing they had to now do they had to deal with all of the emotions they had blocked away they had to deal with the traumas that they had left unhealed in their mind and body and then how could they just sit with their breath it was too frightening and I understood that and again you know I just said well we'll just start simple you know, and I always say that we're just going to be very gentle and kind to ourselves in this moment. And we're just going to sit with our breath. And if tears flow, we're going to let them flow and we're not going to judge ourselves. And if I get irritated, I'm going to sit with that irritation and say, OK, I see you. I hear you. And if anger comes up, we will sit with that as well. Whatever comes up, we'll just sit with it. We don't have to analyze it or process it. We will just sit with it. And that started taking the fear out of it for people that I worked with, 
But again, as you said, Neve, there's so many more people there that would really benefit from this practice. But again, it has to be a choice for that person to go towards it because no more than you, until you had gone through so much in your life and then the tinnitus really was that, you know, that hope with the consultant was gone and it was like, what am I left with? But then you discovered mindfulness practice and it changed so much about your life. And it still is because you're now helping to change other people's lives and you're going out there like this bright light that you are and you're shining it to show everybody that there is another way. There is a simpler way to help with pain management or to be more present or to be kinder and more loving or to be more grateful to think for yourself and things around you. So I think you're an amazing ambassador for that. And I really feel privileged that I was the first one to interview you on a podcast. I can't believe that because <laughs> I think, you know, your story is amazing. And I know you share it openly, you know, on Instagram and everything, but I really think it should be heard in a wider audience. And I believe it will in time to come because your beautiful products, the Momi cars, and I don't even like to say products because they're part of you. You know, it's your beauty and envisioning of helping others and your gratitude journal are beautiful gifts to the world they really are Neve. you know and to be very proud of yourself and of them I think they're just gorgeous and now that you're out there sharing your skills you know in your online classes and again please God in the future it will be physically you know person to person and that you will go on and do that as well for a long time to come and again I can't wait to see what you're going to create for us next because you're a very gifted and talented, resilient and beautiful lady. Thank you so much, Sharon. Thank you. I really appreciate that, your kind words. And, and likewise, I have to say, and that's why, you know, I, I felt very comfortable doing the podcast with you because your story inspired me so much as well when I spoke to you and I felt that connection, I think, with you. Yeah. And I felt very comfortable with you today so yeah. thank you you're welcome it was just lovely as i said we've probably gone on a bit longer but i could have stayed talking to you forever neve and i know your story in many places will resonate with so many people you know so for anyone that's listening i know that if anybody wants to contact neve you know through her website um www.momi.ie and you're also on instagram and facebook and twitter but to go through your website first. You are on Twitter, believe it or not. Don't ever go on Twitter. I'm just like, yeah. But again, it's nice because some people are, you know, some people say they're not on Instagram or Facebook or, you know, and whatever. But sometimes they contact you, whatever social media platform they're on and you can go and check it. But I would say to everyone, go and visit Neve's website, you know, and look through it and look at her beautiful Momi flashcards and her gratitude journal. Look on her Instagram story and look at the, what you write and the photographs that you take and get an idea of what we're sharing about Neve today because she is an amazing lady. And um, as I said, there's so much more I could talk to you about, but I just want to wish you the very best of everything in the days to come because you are amazing and very inspiring, Neve. Thank you so much, Sharon. Really, thank you. You're welcome. So thank you, everybody that was listening in on our episode today. And again, as I said, check out Neve Brown in www.momi.ie, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, <laughs> and all other platforms that she's not aware of that she is on. And she is an amazing lady. <laughs> I listen to the real tweets in the morning, the birds sing. <laughs> there you are, me too. <laughs> so thank you, everybody. And I look forward to connecting with you all again soon. But for now, stay well and thank you for listening.